This is Mr. Biz Radio, sponsored by Capital Plus. Over the next half hour, Mr. Biz, Ken Wentworth, a two-time national best-selling author and leading business advisor, will cover topics that help business owners operate their businesses more profitably and more efficiently. If you're ready to take your business to the next level, this program is for you. And now, here's Mr. Biz, Ken Wentworth. All right, welcome to another episode of Mr. Biz Radio with me, Mr. Biz, Ken Wentworth. And uh, we have got a treat for you this week. We have a, as we like to call it uh, uh, here at Mr. Biz Radio, we like a crafty veteran will be joining us this week um, that has some fascinating stories. He's a two-time author. Both of his books, uh, uh, great reads. I haven't read them fully, but I've skimmed through both of them. Uh, the first one is called Dare to Dream, Dare to Act. And the second one, this should intrigue you, is called The $80 Billion Gamble. Um, our guest this week on Mr. Biz Radio is Mr. Terry Rich, who is the CEO of Rich Keynote. Mr. Terry, welcome to the show. Uh, always a pleasure and love to ha- talk to new people and uh, and uh, learn a lot of things myself. Yeah, so I don't. I honestly don't even know where to start. So as I was doing prep for the show over the weekend and, you know, cyber stalking you a bit and, Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, go- going through your books, uh, I, I when I... I when we first booked you on the show, you know, I don't know, a month or so back, six weeks back, um, I went ahead and got copies of the books to, you know, to say, take a look at them. And I looked at them a little bit back then. And then I uh, peeled them back open over the weekend and was going through them. And oh my gosh, I just, I'm like, oh, we could do like four shows with Terry uh, because your background is so fascinating. So what, let's, you know, dig right into it. I mean, gosh, I don't even know where to start, but tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey. Well, I started uh, on the farm, uh, not real wealthy, but we had a, a fun growing up. But my dad was always encouraging me. And when I try new things, he'd always laugh, but he'd say, hey, you, you took a shot at it. So when I got into college, I was going to be a math major, ultimately ended up, they told me I could talk and make a living. So I got into TV and radio and started in cable television before it was cool. And I got <laughs> surrounded by people like Ted Turner, very entrepreneurial, uh, Jim County, Jim Hoke, who, who were brilliant leaders in starting new cable companies. And everything we touched seemed to turn to gold. They encouraged us to try all these new things. And it really, once you have success in the entrepreneurial market, uh, you you find how much fun it is. And so I was in the cable television business uh, for almost 20 years. And lo and behold, at age 40, I made the goals that my dad set for me when I was going to be 62 to get uh, Social Security and retire and be happy. (laughs) I had all the money I wanted. I traveled all I wanted. And I realized happiness doesn't happen when you make your goals. Happiness happens on the way to success. And Mm -hmm. so uh, I had that urge to try new things. So I started my own company and ultimately started four companies in the next 12 years, had a lot of fun and uh, sold those at age 50. Might've been midlife crisis, but (laughs) sold them. decided I wanted to give back to the community and I had a governor call me and say, Hey, would you run the zoo? You ran a farm one time. Would you run the zoo? So I ran the zoo and turned the zoo around from a $600,000 deficit in about six years. And then got a call from that governor to say, hey, uh, would you run the lottery? And I ran a lottery for 10 years. So that's been my journey. Every one of them been different. And every one of them I got to choose when I when I took that next step. So it's been a fun life. Yeah. So you got to. So I, first of all, I can't even imagine uh, being around some of the folks you mentioned, especially, you know, I've, I've seen Ted Turner interviewed a million times before and uh, just what a personality and what a innovative type of person. I can't imagine being, you know, being in the company of people like that. I'm sure it was uh, pretty influential for you. Well, it really was. And, and the point that I always saw with Ted was he was always trying new things. And I learned over the, t- over the time as an entrepreneur 
is you don't, if you, you've got an idea and everybody's got a million dollar idea that's going to work. And I'll, I'll give a couple during this show, but uh, that I haven't, I haven't executed yet, but I really think will work. Uh, but you realize that in, in creating those ideas, you don't spend your entire bank account to do it. You, you, if you're working somewhere, put aside 10%, start your company at night and weekends. And when you get the cash flow going so that you can survive for quite a while, then you jump in and do it full bore. And so uh, I, I saw Ted Turner take chances, but he also took chances with a bit of his money. And every time he made money, he put a little aside. It's like having research and develop to start that new idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. So you got to tell us, um, I know in, in going, doing the show prep again, as I mentioned, that you, uh, you got on the Johnny Carson show at one point. Now, for those uh, of our younger listeners who say, who the heck is Johnny Carson? <laughs> Johnny Carson was uh, the king of late night television. It, it, the effect of um, Jimmy Fallon show now. Uh, Jimmy Fallon shows, there you have know, been several hosts since Johnny uh, to Jimmy Fallon now, but uh, this, it was the, the show, the late night show, uh, so how in the world did you get on there, Terry? I think it's all part of the creative spirit of I had a call from my hometown of 50 people. Cooper, Iowa, said they wanted to do a centennial. They'd never they'd been around 100 years, never had anybody famous. I was the most famous person. I said, Lord, we better adopt somebody. So <laughs> I put out a press release. I sent it. I, I sent it to 44 press outlets. I had to go to the library to find some of them, but only one responded. I failed 43 times, but on that 44th one was to the United Press International. They picked it up, put it on the wires, and Johnny Carson's Tonight Show called and said, hey, we really want to do something with it, but we have to be first. Uh, you know, all of the reality shows will call you. Will you guarantee that we're first? Because we'd like to maybe come out and be live for the first time via satellite from your little town. No one in Iowa would ever had a satellite uplink go up. So I thought, well, hell yes. Carson <laughs> Show calls. You're, you're in. That's I right. hung up the phone, and right away I got a call from ABC, Good Morning America. We have two tickets. We want you to New York. Well, long story short, in the next month, we had calls from all over the world. It was like viral being on YouTube today in the old days. And lo and behold, we were able to uh, be on the Carson Show, 20 million people. They gave us two commercial breaks, and we had 12,500 people show up to that little town of 50 for the centennial, along with CBS, NBC, ABC, and all the major networks. But that wasn't the end of the story. The, the idea that we could do satellite uplinks is what I took then entrepreneurially to come back to my cable company and start doing HBO free previews via satellite to all of our cable systems. And when I did that, the very first weekend that we tested that for our company, expensive weekend to produce, but we sold over $15 million worth of HBO, and that really launched my career. So Johnny Carson helped me learn that you can fail by sending 44 letters and only having one succeed, but you also can succeed when you when you really put forward in that idea I took forward to another business solution. Wow, there's tons of entrepreneurial nuggets in there. First of all, the the you know planting essentially the, I talk about all the time on the show is you know you, you planted 44 seeds, 43 of them died, but that one grew into a you know giant uh, red oak uh, tree, and then you took you know, like you said you learned from that experience and it gave you an idea to be able to take from that idea of, of doing the satellite, um, just you know taking that and implementing it, uh, which again everything's about execution, but. Uh, super cool stuff. Um, and we're going to get into this. Uh, I definitely want to talk about uh, the zoo as well, as well as the the lottery. Uh, a lot of really cool stuff there. But uh, one thing, we've only got about a minute left in the segment here, but I know uh, they call you the idea dude. Give us uh, give us one of your ideas that you've got cooking right now, Terry. Okay. If, if you really want a million dollar idea, when we launched Mega Millions, they called me and said, hey, we're looking for marketing ideas because I love marketing and promotion. 
So I'm driving home and I looked up and there's the moon, but I could only see like the little sliver, like the little fingernail you see once in a while and everything else was black. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, if we could do a laser or a, a big spotlight and put the mega million jackpot amount on that, everybody in the world would see it. It'd be free. We could own the moon for a billboard. <laughs> so I've called all around and they said, well, the atmospheric, but I'm still thinking somebody can own the moon as a billboard because no one's claimed that yet. And that would be a really good million dollar idea. Oh my gosh. Uh, that wouldn't be a million dollar idea. I think, I think that would probably be, be in the bill, billions. I mean, think about seriously, the impact that would have globally. Holy crap. And, and what people would pay once you figured it all out. Oh, my god! And then, of course, all the sidelines, like selling green cheese and everything else, we'd really have a me. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, again, this week we're talking with Terry Rich. You can find out more about what he's got going on at terryspeaks.com. Come back after the break. We're going to find out how Terry used booze and poop to create success. Join us after the break on Mr. Biz Radio. Business owners have a continually growing to-do list with little time for revenue-producing activities. With Check Off Your List and their experienced team of virtual assistants, you can focus on growing your business. Visit CheckOffYourList.com to learn how Check Off Your List's skilled team can handle your day-to-day tasks like social media, bookkeeping, calendar maintenance, and much more. Contact Check Off Your List at CheckOffYourList.com or call 888-262-1249 to see how their virtual assistants can help you live to work rather than work to live. Thank you for listening to Mr. Biz Radio. Did you know our show airs seven days a week for more than 30 hours now? If you are in the B2B space and would like to reach thousands of business owners every week, including our more than 250,000 social media followers, our thousands of daily internet radio listeners, our email list fans, and Mr. Biz Solutions members, email us at info at MrBizSolutions.com to become a sponsor. Tap into Mr. Biz Nation to help grow your business. To submit questions to the show, email them to info at MrBizSolutions.com. Now, once again, here's Mr. Biz. All right, welcome back to the show. It's time for Mr. Biz Tip of the Week. And this week's tip is, uh, actually, we we touched on this a little bit uh, in the first segment, but if you can't consistently overcome failure, you will never achieve long-term success. Just part of the entrepreneurial game, you have to be able to, you're going to get knocked down. Uh, No one is ever successful at every venture, everything they do, you have to have that. And for me, that's what really separates the, the successful people from the people that aren't as successful is those that are able to continue to get, get up and dust themselves off and keep going. And so that's the uh, Mr. Biz tip of the week. So let's dive back into our discussion here with Terry Rich. Again, he's the CEO of Rich Keynote. And you, again, you can find out more at terryspeaks.com. So Terry, tell us, I teased this a little bit at the end of the first segment, but tell us how you used booze and poop to create success. Well, as I decided to get off the road and I got the opportunity to run a zoo because I grew up on the farm, so cows can't be that much different from giraffe, huh? (laughs) Uh, I went in and you realize that museums in the United States, all nonprofits have troubles because you you go when you're a kid, you go when you take your kid and you go when you take your grandkid. And uh, we needed ways to get new business in, not just the two to 10-year-olds that were going in. So two things came up. We said, how do we get the millennials? At that point, the millennials. And, and we thought, what are millennials like? Well, you guessed it, booze. They like alcohol. <laughs> so we decided to let millennials come in at night rather than daytime, no kids allowed, serve alcohol because we had a wedding uh, weddings there, so we had an alcohol permit and a band. And you know, last year they had $250,000 a year they're selling now in alcohol at these zoo brews. It was losing $600,000 a year. We had to find ways to 
get people through the door, and it gave us a whole brand new audience, icing on the cake of what we knew we already had. The second way we looked around because they said, well, you can't do anything unless you spend $2 million for a new lion exhibit or whatever. And I looked around and said, well, let's find something we have free. We got to get the cash flow going. Well, what's one thing you have at a zoo that's absolutely free? Poof. That's right. <laughs> and lots so, of it. <laughs> and lots of it. So we found that if you take tiger poop, we could sell it to people who were around white-tailed deer that was eating their uh, flowers and their gardens. And by natural instinct, for some reason, deer smell tiger poop. They know it's a predator is around, and they leave it alone. So we were selling one-gallon buckets of poop for $20 a piece. We sold about $25,000 that summer of poop. Oh, jeez Louise. Now, guys, if, if that's not innovation and that's not thinking outside the box and having a true entrepreneurial spirit, I don't know what is. Uh, that, that is hilarious. And I love even, even with the, you know, bringing alcohol into the mix, um, you know, what I get out of that story, Terry, is not just, you know, the, oh, it's alcohol or whatever, but it's thinking of innovative ways. As you mentioned, how do we appeal to a new demographic, right? We know we've got we got these these folks bringing in their their kids their grandkids that's on lockdown we know people are going to come for that but how do you tap into a new audience and and so i think that creative process is where some people fall short they might be good people at execution but they're not as good with the ideas and so again guys you're hearing finding out more and more why they call terry the idea dude right uh, and, and it, it's always important uh, that's why i wrote the book dare to dream dare to act to separate we did a lot of innovation and we brought the zoo employees who were really downtrodden because they didn't have money for anything new. And we said, look, we're going to find ways to get more money in. And they said, well, we're here for the animals. And we said, well, if you get more money in, we'll give you more money for the animals. And they quickly were part of the solution, not part of the problem of not wanting to stay after later at night for these zoo brews and that sort of thing. And, and they got a chance to laugh and see other people who talked about it. And the free publicity was phenomenal. We didn't have to spend a dime on marketing. Wow. Yeah. It's like that that proverbial snowball, right? You start at the top of the hill, it starts rolling down and picks up momentum and gets larger and larger and continues to pick up speed. And it did it in a couple of ways. Number one, we had an, uh, we had donors who then started giving to our endowment and we raised $13 million. So the zoo is going to be around forever just on the interest of the endowment. And uh, we had all of these people who, who laughed and had fun and came in and we became the second largest cultural attraction in the state of Iowa. Wow. Wow. What a story. What a story. So uh, I know, and again, this is probably a long story, and uh, I know I, I try to uh, wrap it up here in this segment. We, we can trickle over to the next segment if we need to, but Terry also solved the largest lottery fraud in the history of the United States, and he did this with a lotto ticket, two hot dogs, and Bigfoot. Tell us that story, Terry. Sure. Well, <laughs> everybody knows that the uh, lottery has a lot of money. In fact, in the United States, uh, you have about $10 billion, Bill with a B, for, uh, sp with uh, movies, about 12 in music, about 20 in, in sports. You add all that together, lotteries do $80 billion a year in revenue. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, so we give away big prizes. I gave away a billion dollars myself just in little Iowa when it's all said and done in my 10 years. But we had a winner one time that didn't come in right away to claim it. And ultimately, you have a year to claim a big jackpot. This was $16.5 million. And about 11 months into it, someone called and said, hey, I have the ticket. We checked the numbers. Yeah, it looked like they had a ticket. And he said, I'll just send it to you. You send me the money. Ding, ding, ding. Something screwy. Yeah. So we started objecting. It ended up that they came in with two lawyers. Two lawyers came in, wouldn't tell us who bought the ticket. And we said, no, we're not going to pay unless we know. And they said, okay, we give up the ticket. Well, I don't care if you're 
uh, Gates or, or Buffett, you don't give up $16.5 million. So we knew it was illegal. Uh, something happened. So the DCI got involved. Two and a half years later, it all ended up. The guy walked into a store, was the programmer of the computer that drew this multi-state lottery through a computer, uh, the big jackpot. And, and that he bought the ticket and uh, gave some to his uh, brother and to his friend uh, to, uh, to cash the tickets. And ultimately, he decided to go after the big one in Iowa. And because you can't claim it anonymously, uh, we, we ultimately tracked it down and see where it got. Now, that's the ticket. The hot dog came in because it was only in Iowa. That we knew something had happened in Iowa. And when we charged him in Iowa for buying that ticket, he had his brother come up. Well, his brother testified on the stand when he saw the tape. That can't be my brother. He, this guy was from Texas. He says he was eating, ordering hot dogs. And my brother ain't a hot dog guy. Well, Associated Press thought that was so funny because when you look across the room to Eddie Tipton, the guy that bought the ticket, he was between three and 400 pounds. And so <laughs> Associated Press put it on the national wires and it ended back up in his brother who was testifying on his behalf's hometown and an FBI agent said, wait a minute. That guy who testified, I was investigating on money laundering. He said he won one in Colorado. Oh, geez. So they sent that back to us. We checked it out. And let me tell you, if you ever create fraud, don't do anything on Facebook, on LinkedIn, or on your cell phone, because we tracked all of their contacts with jackpot winners across the U.S. and found five directly. They were all charged. They all pled guilty. But the brother also hunted Bigfoot, and that's how Bigfoot got in on it. If he hadn't been hunting Bigfoot, if Eddie hadn't bought hot dogs, we probably would have never caught him. <laughs> wow. Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. Uh, especially, yeah, I, I can see how they would easily pick that up, being a pretty pretty large guy and uh, saying he doesn't, doesn't eat hot dogs. Well, he's serving up to 25 years today in, in, a, in a prison cell, and uh, I'm sure he's thinking about it all. But the bottom line is there's a lot of ways to prevent internal fraud, and all of a sudden I went from marketing and sales and not appreciating accountants within an organization to really appreciating them and how important it is to have oversight and all your financial controls. Yeah, and that's it's. Uh, gosh, Terry, you, you just teed it up for me there. That's what we're we're uh, heading to a break here, but that's we're going to talk with Terry about. As you can see, his his career has been amazing, and we've only just kind of t- uh, talked about the tip of the iceberg here. But he's going to tell us in the next segment, like we always do, right? We pick the brain of our guest. He's going to give us sort of some steps to help spur innovation and create success in our organizations. As you can see and you can hear from even just from the few stories that he shared, he knows how to do that. Uh, he is the idea dude, as he says, as they say. Um, and so again, this week we're talking with Terry Rich, CEO of Rich Keynote. And uh, again, you can find out more at terryspeaks.com. But again, come back after the break on Mr. Biz Radio and we're going to find out. Terry's going to give us some tips on how to spur innovation and create success. Are you looking for ways to streamline your business? If so, Pulse can help. Pulse is a CRM and marketing automation platform with many features, such as email and text message marketing, project boards, quoting and invoicing, and so much more. If you're a franchise, we also have a franchise-specific version with robust franchise management capabilities. Request your demo today at thepulsespot.com. Again, that's thepulse, P-U-L-S-E, spot.com. If you find listening to Mr. Biz Radio is helpful, imagine having live access to not only Mr. Biz, but also five other trusted business experts. It's true. You can have live access to your very own CFO, 
plus a business attorney, a website and digital marketing expert, a sales and growth guru, a financing professional, and a customer experience master. Visit MrBizSolutions.com to learn more. Join Mr. Biz Nation at MrBizSolutions.com. Check out both of Mr. Biz's national best-selling books, Pathway to Profits, and How to Be a Cash Flow Pro on Amazon. Now, once again, here's Mr. Biz. All right, welcome back to Mr. Biz Radio with me, Mr. Biz, Ken Wentworth, and we're talking with Terry Rich, again, CEO of Rich Keynote. Again, I might mention it again. You can go to terryspeaks.com to find out more about him and how you can book him and how you can get involved, have him get involved with your organization as well. Uh, so, Terry, talk, talk to us about, I know you've got, and I, I'll tell you, I was, uh, you were a man after my own heart where you didn't even know it, um, because as I was uh, doing my show prep and uh, everything, I noticed you did mention several times cash flow, and we talk about cash flow a lot on the show and how important that is, but talk to us about some, some steps we can take as entrepreneurs, business owners, to help spur innovation and create success in our organizations. Well, let's start with cash flow. You know, I think the bottom line is you've got to have cash or you don't have a company. And too many people, and especially boards, always want to see the uh, financials, see the, see the balance sheet. And so I, I really watch cash flow and make sure I have cash in the bank and I pay my bills on time and ahead of time. So I always know exactly where I'm at and what I'm due. I don't like owing anybody anything. That's sure important. Uh, the other is back to better to try and to have tried and failed than to succeed at doing nothing. Sounds like a government person succeed at doing nothing. But <laughs> I, I'm a believer in learning from failure. Failure is kind of the first step to success. And go back to a really simple example. My grandchild came over. She pulled herself up on the couch, took a step. Boom, she failed, fell right on her face. She picked herself back up, pulled herself up, went over two steps. Boom, failed again. How many times do you do a project, fail once and say, I'm done, doesn't work? No, you've got to keep learning and growing and keep trying to be able to put together if that idea is going to work. Um, the next one for me is if you're if you're if you are looking for a job, if you're looking for success, you're looking for something within an organization, you simply raise your hand. You volunteer. When the boss, when you when you're starting something new and someone says, I need someone to clean the bathrooms, I try I didn't always want to be the first one, but I always raised my hand and volunteered. People are looking for people who want the company or a project to succeed. So I raise my hand to volunteer for as many things as I can within an organization that others don't want to do, because I also learn when I do something different that's outside my wheelhouse mm -hmm. when it's all said and done. And the final one is one that uh, I have in the book is, is I learned this after 50 years of life. I went into the state and I, I ran the lottery. And as you heard, I like giving ideas. So first thing I am, I have to pull the management staff together and I say, okay, let's paint the uh, wall red, maybe with purple polka dots, give us some creativity. How about if we have you used animals on the, on the uh, scratch ticket chat or how could we give away a billion dollars, all these different ideas. And I'd come back in the next week and give another five or six more. And uh, after a couple of weeks, the old management staff melted down and they asked Mary, who was the one that kind of speak up, uh, during these meetings, she'd raise her hand and said, you know, we just can't do this. I said, what do you mean? That sounds like uh, government people. What do you mean you can't do this? Mm -hmm. She said, it's just too many things to do. Well, what I realized, it, it hit me right between the eyes, is if it, it, the old days when the king would say, oh, poop, everybody would head for the bathroom because they thought the leader wanted it done, so they went and did it. <laughs> no, uh, we talked through. I, I just wanted to get, get these ideas off my chest. 
And so we came up with kind of a unique, unique idea that I'd pass along to all your listeners and invite them to try. And that is, next time you're doing memos within your organization or to your friends or to your spouse, say, hey, if I say action required, if I put that in the subject line, that means I'm the boss, you need to do it. That's job changing. Mm-hmm. And I did that for maybe half a percent to 1% of all my emails. The next one is FYI for your information. That basically says, hey, here's some info you may want to know. We may talk about it at some point. And again, that's 20, 30, 40%. But the majority of time, I put COT. And what that stood for was consider or throw away. (laughs) And there were some rules when I told them, when I send this in that email, that means when you get it, I don't want any response. I want no judgment. I just want to get the idea off my head, off my back, Mm -hmm. you know, through my mind. Uh, so, So look at it if you want to, or you can simply delete it. If you're really busy in a big project, just delete it. And all of a sudden, the whole pressure came off of the entire management staff because they then understood when I thought was something that needed to be done and something that was just an idea. But the real beauty was they started using it with their employees and the people that sat at the front desk that if they did give an idea, they might stick it in the suggestion box. But then you know, it'd take two weeks to go through all the process for somebody to get back to them. Uh, they'd then go down to the cafeteria and say, oh, you know, I gave my idea, but management never listens to me. Mm-hmm. In case, instead, they would send that to whoever they wanted to, and they got it off their chest, but they knew that it was somewhere that someone would listen, but they didn't have to feel guilty if it was a dumb idea. And the creativity and the innovation within the organization really took it to the next level. So try Action Required. COT, which means consider a throwaway, or FYI when you do emails, or even if you're talking face-to-face, so that people, you don't want reactions right away because you, you want to just give the idea and you don't care how they react. You just want to try to create, foster some innovation. I'll tell you, Terry, I love the COT, and I will definitely use that as well. Uh, and I'm going to actually share that with several of my of my friends, entrepreneur friends, because um, it hit, really hit home when I, when I saw this uh, in your book because – a lot of entrepreneurs, much like yourself, again, we have ideas and we're, we're, our brains are moving 100 miles a minute. And when you have someone who, what I've found, is when you have someone who works for you who is a process-oriented person, again, just like you said, as soon as you give them an idea, they say, oh, crap, I got to run off and go do this. Whereas <laughs> you're just trying to get it. You, you, exactly, you hit it spot on the head. What I've seen it happen, I've got a really good friend of mine who's actually been on the show before, who's very entrepreneur entrepreneurial and he has difficulty having people work for him because of this reason. And so I'm going to definitely share the, uh, the COT method with him because I think it's, I think that's really would be helpful, not only for the entrepreneur, right? The speaker in this case, but the people that were, are receiving it. Um, and I think there is, it's also a fine line because um, you, I also would want to make sure like I, when I worked in the corporate world, we would have, have people say, Oh, well, you know, we can't do that. Just like you had mentioned earlier. And I said, well, you know, just as you were starting to allude to, I hear can't I, is another form of I won't. Right. And so, uh, you know, so let's think through that and let's think of, you know, I, I used to give this example in the corporate world of someone would say, oh, I can't do this when I worked at J.P. Morgan. And I would say, well, if Jamie Dimon called, who's the chairman and CEO and said, hey, I need you to do this, could you do it? And quickly, of course, their tone would change and say, well, we could do it, but you know, we'd have to have five people work 20 hour days for the next two weeks. Okay. Well, so it can be done, but okay. We don't want to take those, you know, we'll take those measures, right? It's, it's outrageous, but what's, what's an alternative, right? What if we did this over a six week period instead of two weeks and things like that. And so think about how it can work, not how it can't work. 
but I, I, I love it. I, I love it. I'll definitely be implementing that into my own lexicon and be sharing that with people because I think that would be very powerful. Again, not only from the speaker's perspective, but from people receiving it as well. There's another pers- another example that you can use to say why you want to use it this way. Think of the people who make wine. They don't just go back and take all the same wine out of the back vineyard and make their award-winning wine. They go all over the valley and get every kind that they can find. And this hill will do better than that hill, depending on where the sun was, what the temperature was, what the minerals were. So they come back with a bushel basket, hundreds and hundreds of grapes to find that one grape that they really want to make that fine bottle of wine. And that's all you're trying to do. Tell everybody you're trying to fill that bushel basket with just ideas so that then you can get back together. That's daring to dream. Get back together, and then you prioritize what everybody thinks is the best idea that can be executed to help the company, and that's daring to act then, and everybody's on board because you've got the whole team discussing it. So then the accountant can say it's going to be too expensive, or the legal people (laughs) can say you're going to get sued, but you've formed this great big bushel basket that you can keep picking at to find the finest wine around. Yeah, no, again, I absolutely love it, Terry. Absolutely love it. Well, as often happens, we are about out of time here, Terry. I, gosh, I tell you, I, as I mentioned at the outset, I feel like we could probably have about three, four shows with you. Maybe we'll have to have hey, you back is, on. Is this where I say void or prohibited member FDIC? <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Well, again, go out to terryspeaks.com and find out more about Terry, how to book him, how to have him work with your organization. As you could tell, fascinating guy. Terry, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, Thanks to our show sponsor, Capital Plus. You can find them at capplus.com forward slash Mr. Biz or give them a call at 855-522-3951. Have a great week. And don't forget, as always, cash flow is king. This has been Mr. Biz Radio, sponsored by Capital Plus, a division of United Capital Funding Group. Capital Plus is your trusted resource for commercial financing and accounts receivable management. They've been providing working capital to businesses nationally for more than 27 years. Learn more about them at capplus.com forward slash Mr. Biz. Or to schedule a free consultation, call 855-522-3951. 